Welcome to episode 40 of 1530. Today we're going to be talking about Wimbledon, specifically Novak Djokovic and the stats surrounding his victory. He just recently tied Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal with 20 Grand Slams. Pretty impressive achievement by the Serbian. Going for the greatest of all time. Um, and this year, he's still going for his Golden Slam. He, he still has a chance to win every Grand Slam and the Olympics. So he's fighting for that. First, we'll go ahead and get started with the stat of the day. Stat of the day is, guessed at 20. It's an easy stat of the day. 20 Grand Slams. No, the real stat of the day is 85%. So Novak Djokovic... His average first serve percentage won over the seven matches was 85%, if you do the math. The lowest serve first serve percent he had in the final against Berrettini. So, well, well fought final, hard fought, but Djokovic, the lowest serve first serve percent win that he had was 79%. So, if you know anything about quicker court tennis or especially grass tennis, you know that the first serve is key, winning those easy points on the grass. And Djokovic has proved to be as good as anybody on on winning those free points on his first serve and setting himself up, whether it's getting to the net or a good serve and next shot combination, especially the forehand. So Federer has been classic at doing this, being really very successful at Wimbledon with eight titles. Djokovic now is at six titles, only two behind Federer. So it's... It's a mighty, mighty achievement there. It's really hard to beat Djokovic anyways, but if he's serving at those kind of numbers, winning 80% or 85% in this case of his first serve points, you don't have much of a chance to beat Djokovic. You need a look, a lot of looks at second serves. So you might have to get lucky there, but if he's having a, a good service day like he usually is, here for some trouble. So that's really kind of the main stat that I wanted to drive home. Matt's actually not with us today. He's over in Europe for a couple weeks, so he's unfortunately missing out. Didn't didn't get to go see Wimbledon or anything, but he's traveling over there. So it's just me flying solo today. All right, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to discuss more of the matches. So the big, big factor, we want to just cover the final. It actually was a pretty good final despite... Looking one-sided in the score was actually fairly tight. So, like I said, Djokovic, 79% first serve points won. Bertini was close, uh, around 75%. Second serve points won. This is really where it showed. Djokovic was 53% to Bertini's 38%. Bertini, though, had the huge edge on serves. He aced Djokovic 13 more times than he double-faulted for a, a net. called a net aces-to-double-fault ratio of 13 very strong to Djokovic's only one on that ratio, but wasn't enough to help Berrettini. He only captured the first set in that tight tiebreak. Then after that, he lost the next few sets. But overall, his points won. He had 14 more points won over the match. So it's 145 points to 131. This is not as big of a blow as it looks. But again, Djokovic is able to win the tight points. Berrettini not able to convert his break points. He only converted 29% of his break points to Djokovic's 40%. So, just not able to get it done. If you look at the serve factor, so again, doing that math, right, where you, you multiply the first serve percentage multiplied by the first first points won, 
first serve points one, excuse me, and you add it to the second serve points one as whole numbers, then you get a, a serve factor is what we call it. So Djokovic had a serve factor of 101. Berrettini was 83. What you do is you go ahead and subtract the two, get a delta. That delta is 18. So based on some empirical data that we have, 30, 30 points differential is a very decisive three-setter. 20 is a tight three-setter or a decisive four-setter. So 18 is close to that 20. So kind of where we stood is a decisive four-setter. Uh, 10 would have been, a difference of 10 would be a tight four-setter or a decisive five-setter. So the serve factor does confirm uh, that this match was a pretty decisive four-setter. You could argue, oh, it got a little bit tight there, 6-4, six, 6-3. Six, and it was only decided by 14 points, but in the end, you know Djokovic won the important points. Berrettini snuck away at that tiebreaker. But all in all, it was still an exciting final. Djokovic is too good, though. Uh, even at the net, he went to the net you know, a little bit more than Berrettini, and his, his net points percentage was better by 9%. 71% to 62%. So he wasn't just being passive. He was able to kind of take the lead there, even though Berrettini had more winners, 57 to 31 for Djokovic. But it just showed he was too solid. He only made 21 unforced errors. Berrettini made double that, more than double that. He had 48 unforced errors. So fortunate for Berrettini. Ironically, I think Shapovalov had a better chance of beating Djokovic, even though Djokovic won in straight sets. But if you look at the surf factor, the differential was 11. So showing a tight four-setter or even a decisive five-setter. But we know it didn't even go uh, didn't even go four sets. It was a straight set victory. So you kind of unpack that a little bit. If you watch the match, you know what we're talking about because Shapovalov was able to play very high-risk tennis. He, again, had more winners than Djokovic. Had a lot of errors. Had double the amount of errors of Djokovic. But he created a lot of break point opportunities for himself. Fortunately, he was one of 11. Puts him at 9%. Pretty bad break point percentage. So... He just wasn't able to take advantage. I think there was even one point where he had, um, he was love 40 and couldn't get Djokovic, couldn't break him. Djokovic won those three, three straight points to get him to deuce. So if you don't take advantage of your opportunities, uh, you're in a little bit of a of a poor spot. And that's what happened to Shapovalov. He was very emotional as his first Grand Slam semifinal. Played really well, just couldn't quite string those points together, especially the important points. I know he was crying at the end of the match. Very emotional, but Djokovic was... Uh, very classy and was consoling uh, Shapovalov because, again, he did put on a good show for the fans. But the numbers show that that maybe it should have been tighter than it was. Djokovic won by 12 points overall. Of course, tennis doesn't go like basketball or other sports where it's you tally the points at the end. It's all about the sets and how the points go. And so the way that they fell was a straight set, so it was tight. 7-6, seven, 7-5, six, seven, five, seven, five. So the other big key takeaway in this one Djokovic actually only able to get 33% return points overall, which you can put your hats off to Shapovalov. He was able to serve pretty effectively. He also was at the 80% first serve points one, just like Djokovic. They were right there together. It was a second serve that Djokovic was able to pounce on a little bit more. Shapovalov only winning 42% of those points, and Djokovic winning 57% of his own second serve. So he was able to protect it a little bit better. That's really where it came down to, and of course the break points. Shapovalov's got to convert more. Uh, maybe he was just tight. Uh, maybe it was just Djokovic being a little bit too solid. He's shown he's one of the best uh, mental competitors in the game, being mentally focused. So overall, enjoyed the match, but 
Chavaval has got to do better. Surf factor not being accurate in this case. Predict the right winner, but showing it in a tight four sets or decisive five vice the three sets. So that's really all I have on that one. Fun match. Uh, encourage you to look at the highlights for that one. I think Shapovalov has a great, great game for the quicker courts, and he showed it Wimbledon playing playing some good grass court tennis. So now we have, of course, if you uh, were able to watch Federer, you know that the Herbert Hercatch match was a little bit tricky for him. He the first set Fed I didn't think Federer was playing bad, but Hercatch's level was just way too high. So he won that one 6-3. Second set, Federer goes up a quick break. You think, oh, okay, Federer's going to equalize. When the set goes to a tie break, he misses a couple easy volleys. And Hercatch, in all, in all honesty, was just pretty solid. And then you go to the third set where Fed was totally out of gas and got um, got bageled 6-0. Of course, dealing with some injuries, I think. You could kind of tell he wasn't moving very well. His first serve percentage wasn't very good. If you look throughout the different sets, though, he started off serving, first serve okay, first couple sets, third set was horrible. Second serve points were never really there. He was never really able to, I think, just move to get there and to defend his second serve because it was all hovering around that 30, 40% to 30% range, which uh, you need to be in the 50s really if you're going to win a match, at least decisively. So we'll, go, we'll quickly go through this one. Her catch was super solid, 79% first serve points. One really dictating on Federer with his uh, just his big power game. And Federer was only able to be 67% overall in first serve points one, which is pretty low for him, especially on grass. Second serve, like I mentioned, was kind of really not there, 33% points one. So overall, the uh, I was actually surprised to see that Federer actually had a net positive winners to unforced that was only by three. He had 34 winners to 31 unforced. Hercatch had 36 winners to 12 unforced. So really, really clean game by Hercatch. I think this is one Federer, you know, if he wins that second set, you know, maybe can kind of work his way back into it. But Hercatch was just playing a pretty clean game, playing some big tennis. And Federer, again, maybe struggling physically. But overall, pretty decisive. His overall delta was 26. So, again, with the surf factor, a delta of 26 or 30 is a pretty pretty decisive three-setter. And you, you really saw that from, from her catch beating Federer. So that's really all I have to say about that. Hope Federer can heal up. And uh, I know he's confirmed to play the U.S. Open, though, of course, he's not playing in Tokyo at the Olympics. Next match I thought was pretty intriguing was the Felix Ajer Aliassim match versus Alexander Zverev. This one went five sets, and I thought this was a pretty high quality match throughout. But overall, Ajer Aliassim was able to, to eke it out. In five sets, it was 6-4 in the fifth. Surf factor showing it's a, a delta of about 14, which is interesting because that's showing a fairly decisive fifth set or right there on the border or a tight four setter. So I, I think the real reason why is that second surf points won. Zverev had 20 double faults. That's not going to help you to nine aces. So Zverev double faults again. I don't know. He's got to figure that out. I don't know what he needs to do on that one, but his first serve is huge. Second serve, too many double faults. And his second serve, he really wasn't winning that many points. 34% uh, of his second serve points to 60% for Felix Ajer Aliassim. Zverev was a little bit better. Like I said, on the first serve, 79% points one to Felix Ajer Aliassim's 71%. But overall, I think it was a second serve there for, for Felix. Looked really good in the rallies. Forehand, backhand. I mean, pretty much everything was super solid. Uh, I felt like when he got into some of these longer rallies, 
uh, Felix did really well. So overall, Felix only had three, won three more points than Zverev, 162 points, 159. But again, like I said, the surf factor kind of showing that Felix won a lot more of those points uh, in the in the critical uh, situations there. And then this other match, I, I, I was really, really hoping for a Rublev-Djokovic quarterfinal, but Fuskovic, the, the really fit Hungarian player, who's, I feel like, really improved the last couple years, been a real big force, beat Stan Wawrinka at the Australian Open. He he beat uh, Rublev. Uh, totally big upset for me, beat him in five sets. I thought this match, uh, yeah, I just I just thought Rublev would, would, would have done better and would have challenged Djokovic, because Rublev really is playing pretty well on the grass. One problem Rublev is having, though, so, I mean, I don't know if you can call him a hardcore specialist. He's good on pretty much all the surfaces to some extent, but I feel like he's had the most success on hard courts. Really able to dictate with that forehand and that first serve. Uh, he's one, maybe one of my favorite players to watch the last, especially since 2020, his breakout year. But on the grass, his first couple rounds started off 80% or above on his first serve points one. Last couple rounds kind of drifting back down to like in the 60s. And that's what he did against Fuskovic. He could only win 65% of his first serve points to Fuskovic's 88%. So Fuskovic, I feel like his serve has gotten better or at least defending his first serve has gotten better because that's a pretty high number for him. He um, does well in the longer rallies and the points um, here and he was able to beat Rublev in five sets. Though the serve factor shows it was a difference of one, one single serve factor point, which is in, indicating a very tight five setter. And indeed it was, even though Vuskovic only won one of the sets 6-0, which is interesting. Um, just goes to show Rublev was playing solid despite getting bageled in one of the sets. The second serve points won is where it's what allowed Rublev to kind of stay in the match. He went 50% to Vuskovic's 45%. But overall, this was a huge dogfight. The, the net points... Fuskovic was more solid at. He's winning 81% of those to 54% for Rublev. And again, even though I feel like I was looking at Rublev's history at Wimbledon, I was like, ah, you know, how, how well has he done? He hasn't won a ton of matches there, but because it's a smaller sample size on grass, because I think Halle he did pretty well, his win percentage on grass is better than his career win percentage overall. But I just I just see him. I don't know if there's such a thing to be a specialist on hardcore, but I just see him being the most comfortable on hardcore, even though. He's won titles on clay. You know, this is pretty far, you know. Round of 16 isn't bad at Wimbledon, but I just feel like he's a better player than than what the grass and the clay surfaces have indicated, at least this season, his results on those. So look, I look for him to do damage in the hardcourt season in the American swing. I, I really do. I know he won or went really far in Cincinnati. He beat Roger Federer in the straight sets a couple years ago and, and has, has done really well. On the hard courts, I think he made the quarterfinals. He's been one of the one of the better hardcore players. Him and Medvedev, really, kind of the couple of the Russians, uh, are super solid. Along, of course, the usual suspects: Djokovic, team. We'll see if he gets healthy again. He's been super solid on hard courts. Those are some of my uh, my favorite hardcore players, I guess, to watch. So, super interesting there. Hope hope to see more of Rublev. It'll be interesting to see how he improves on the grass if he's able to. To maintain that level and to especially maintain his first serve and defending it. And hopefully he can stay comfortable on the grass. So I know we have the Olympics going on right now. Djokovic is chasing that along with Tsitsipas and others. Uh, but a lot of people have elected not to go. Like Nick Kyrgios, of course, Federer. 
So several players are not going, but it should still be exciting. I know Murray's going to try to go there. He's won the last two gold medals. He'd be a long shot, but that would still be amazing to see him even make a small run there. Del Potro's done really well in the Olympics, in the past couple Olympics. He's not going to be there. Due to injury, Stan Vavrinka will not be there. So I'm missing a lot of familiar faces, but I still think it'll be pretty fun uh, to have the Olympic Games going on there. Yeah, very excited to see the hardcourt season. Like I said, Federer should be at the U.S. Open. We still have Cincinnati, one of my favorite tournaments to watch. That warm-up for the U.S. U.S. Open. I think Nadal's even playing uh, Washington, the, the, the City Open. And I think Kyrgios will be playing, I think, at Atlanta. So we should have some big names as they try to work their way into form for the U.S. Open. Should be very exciting. So, obviously, we miss Matt greatly and hope he's doing well in Europe. One last comment, you know, seeing Tsitsipas losing the first round of Wimbledon was pretty shocking. Yeah, Tiafa was able to take advantage of him, even though I feel like the numbers really didn't show him playing bad. He won 70% for serve points one. He was in the 50%, low 50s for second serve, but Tiafa was just extra aggressive. You know, he was in the 70% for second point, second serve points one. Served really well and didn't really allow Tsitsipas to get back into the match because in that third set, Tsitsipas started playing better started working his way in, but he couldn't quite win those break points. And you got to think mentally, you know, not only with, I mean, the big one just blowing the two sets to love lead against Djokovic, but again, I think there was uh, some family issues dealing with, uh, I think it was his grandmother that passed away um, or relative that had passed away. So I don't know if there's more was weighing on his mind there, but uh, clearly I think he, he's been really good on grass, done well at Wimbledon. Had he been able to survive that match, maybe he could have played his way into form. But the three seed went out first round, so credit to Tiafo for taking it to him. That was pretty fun to watch that uh, that match because he was, again, so very aggressive. He knew his game plan, and he was able to upset Tsitsipas in straight sets. It was like pretty routine-looking score, right? Six threes and six fours. It was pretty routine, but that uh, I think that took a big game plan from Tiafo. So, yeah, that's what we got for episode 40 of 1530 as... As always, we, we invite you to visit us at cognitionsphere.com. We have theme music brought to us by Kevin MacLeod with songs, excerpts from his song, Cool Rock. And feel free to share our podcast with a friend that loves tennis. And take a minute and write a quick review if you're enjoying this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thank you, and next time, we will see you on the court. <laughs>